Big Gab, episode 105 for Monday, March 6, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians. Here, a working musician myself in Durham, New Hampshire, Dave Hamilton. And a working musician myself out in Las Gatas, California, Paul Kent. Greetings, Mr. Kent. How you doing, man? <laughs> doing good, brother. It's good. You and I have been going hard and in many different directions lately, right? Many different directions, together and separately. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I just, uh, you're actually, you're hearing this for the first time. I just got a new client that um, in, for a day job work, which I'm, I'm happy about and excited about, but it was interesting thing to kind of go through and, and process how will this affect my music, you know, like totally really taking it very much into consideration. Like I, I wanted the day gig, but I wanted, I wanted to not give up anything with the night stuff. And, uh, and so there, you know, I really had to do some hand wringing and actually, you know, the net net of it is, you know, I, I, I haven't canceled any night stuff and I took on the day stuff. And I don't know how much that's going to affect my life. So, you know, you talk about you and I going in a lot of different directions. I've kind of added another thing. Another thing, yeah. To, to an already fairly busy life. And uh, so, you know, from now until October, I'm going to be going pretty hard. Yeah, that, that's um, I mean, it's almost a conversation that I'd have over on the another show I do called The Small Business Show at businessshow.co for anybody that wants to listen. But um, but yeah, managing, you know, I've always said entrepreneurs are and in fact, Shannon says this on the show all the time entrepreneurs are people who are willing to work 80 hours a week for themselves. So they don't have to work 40 for somebody else. Right. And that's, yeah, that's and really that's what, smart. Right. And that's what you're yeah. managing here is exactly that. Like, I mean, you, listen, we're all always working for someone else. I mean, that's just how it works. Cause money just doesn't appear, you know, but um, well, to me, it was exactly that. It was a question of what, how could I order my life to mm -hmm. somewhat control my time? So the nice thing about those 80 hours is that often, largely they can be whatever 80 hours I want. That's correct. You get to pick. Yeah. We, I always say we trade flexibility for freedom, right? Yeah. We, 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 we get the flexibility, but when you run your own business, you have no freedom, right? Anywhere you are, you're the person who runs that business. doesn't well, matter if you're on vacation or what. Well, but there's a flip side of thing when your time is owned by someone else and they Co say, you know, correct. you have to be in this meeting at this time or you have to go to and New that, Orleans. And that's this where time. you, you have the freedom to walk away from your desk in, in some sense, instances, not always, but yeah, when you work for somebody else, you have the freedom to walk away from your desk and it's their problem, but your flexibility is severely limited for yep. case in point. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so th this will be, uh, this will be interesting. For you. I hope it, uh, I know, I know you'll figure it out. I mean, you've yeah. done it many times before. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it's just been a while since I've been this, this, right. you know, morning, noon and night type of thing. But, but you know, the music stuff is going great. I mean, my bookings have, have really gone wonderful. I picked up a bunch of new acoustic bookings and I, you know, I love doing those solo acoustic things. Acoustic Madness picked up a new venue, which is really awesome. And then the House Rockers have a really full summer. I'm, I'm actually so almost sold out completely. I'm sold out of Thursdays from uh, end of May until middle of September. So Isn't that every weird? Thursday. Thursdays first. Is that because towns have their events yes. on Thursdays? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Thursdays actually a pretty good music night. Um, for acoustic stuff as well. So right. for a lot of venues that have bands on Friday, Saturday, they'll do acoustic Wednesday or Thursday. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm 
booking more acoustic stuff, uh, monkey fist, which is the kind of the acoustic thing that I do most often, uh, Jimmy, our guitar player, Monkey Fist is a generally a trio or a duo without me. It's Jimmy who plays guitar and then uh, John Donahue who sings. And uh, John's also a very capable guitar player. And I'm also a moderately capable singer. So um, Jimmy has Jimmy's availability for gigs has been dwindling uh, over the last couple of years. And so we've always brought in other people and that's that's worked fine. But uh, but lately, John, and I've been talking about doing gigs just as a duo with either him playing guitar and singing or, or me even playing guitar um, and singing. So we've been, we've been working up some of that. So that'll be kind of interesting for, uh, for a few gigs this year. So I might start playing guitar more, Paul. Love it, man. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Keep stretching. Yep. yep. So I got exactly. so much stuff to share with you. I've, I've had a lot of music and music things in my life lately. So uh, I had a gig on Saturday night, which I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, Acoustic Man has played four gigs in eight days, so that was kind of fun. But that group is interesting. That says my acoustic trio. Uh, our our gigs, for some weird twist of karma, seem to get bunched together, and then we don't see each other for a long time. Sure. So, but we've added a few new songs, which is kind of nice to roll out. We're actually doing an acoustic version of "Carry On, My Wayward Son." Nice. Sounds vocals sound great. Yep. You know, it's kind of fun with the guitars and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Um. Oh, yeah, because that, uh, that song rocks pretty hard. So, oh, yeah, that's it does. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. So, um, let's see. Where should I start? How about we start with the gig that I just did? Okay. No, no, actually, I want to I tell you a little bit more about, I just finished the recording of that EP that I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. So, it's been a kind of a fun process. You know, it was, uh, again, I don't have a ton of studio experience. I mean, I did a demo for the house rockers. I've done a few other things. I did one song on Mary Ellen's Christmas CD, uh, last year. So I, you know, I've done studio stuff and, and, uh, but for a guy who doesn't live in the studio, you realize the focus on precision that you might not have. If you only play live, you have to reflect on that in, in preparation. Right. Totally. So yes. Yeah. So I did four songs. I did two, uh, just acoustic guitar and me, and then I did two band songs and the two band songs are so, so the, the two acoustic songs, one was a Paul Simon song, American tune, actually a fairly intricate um, finger picking song. There's just some very, you know, very Paul Simon like mm -hmm. run ups and changes. And that was kind of cool. That went really well. It took me maybe two takes on vocals, maybe some sections of it, maybe one additional take. Then I did a Dylan tune that I pretty much did in one take, which was really cool, and that just got knocked out. And then we get to the band stuff, and the band stuff was really interesting because it was a chance to really understand more about how you can assemble songs in the studio. So one was uh, Get Up, Stand Up, the Bob Marley thing. Yep. Um, and the first thing I want to say about that is it was very interesting. Uh, my buddy, Chris Beveridge, who owns the studio and was you know doing much of the producing, um, really helped me with some very subtle things. I thought I was a good reggae guitar player. Like I thought I had really good feel and really good time. And it was so interesting to me that when we first, when I first went into laying down my part, he was telling me, man, you are too white. You are just too much on the beat. You got to yeah. really lay back and give it that feel. You got to swing and, it a little bit. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that, though, that set of instructions will mean different things to different people. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, like, yeah. like lay back is a very broad thing that you know it when you hear it, but when you tell someone to do it, it can mean a lot of different things to it. Right. So I learned. It can, and I it learned, can totally get in your head too is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the way we created that tune was um, first it was, mostly uh, uh, keys and and drums laying down. And, and uh, my friend Mark Danley laid down the drums. 
very, very good technical drummer, and he really nailed a very, very great, great, great reggae groove to lay everything else over. We did kind of a scratch bass at the time, and then I did scratch lead vocals just to kind of guide people as to where we were, and that's how we laid that down. So Nick played, Nick from the House Rockers played keys. He did one, um, he did one pass on kind of a clav feel, a clav part, and then he did another pass where he added an electric piano part, and it really sounds good. I'm very happy with it. Um, Like I said, the drums, one take, Danley did a great job, and, uh, and we laid it down um, bass part came over that. And then we did those kind of gang background vocals, sure. which was also an interesting thing. So it was three of us around one mic as opposed, cause that's the feel of that thing. Yeah. And there was all sorts of like real subtle things about the relative positioning of each person so that there was a blend and all those types of things. And, um, and then when I did my guitar, so like I said, the, the, the big lesson of that was about, um, like I thought I was a good reggae player. I thought it just it was a feel that naturally came to me. And then, sure. he, you know, he, he let me play and then he let, let me listen to it. And it was really stiff and it really kind of screwed up this lovely, this lovely groove that the, that the, that the drummer had laid down. But then once I got it, you know, I lay, I finally, I felt it and, you know, I just really just took a, a breath and thought about where I was, you know, going to start putting the pick on the strings and just relaxed a little bit. And then it just started grooving. And I, and I think it, it came out really, really well. I'm really happy with it. That's cool, man. That's yeah. Uh, so yeah, like for so reggae, that, a breath is generally not what what uh, is required of the musicians. It's a puff, but you know whatever works. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. <laughs> and then chimes of freedom, which is kind of became this this production number that added a lot of things. So uh, again, good drummer uh, started with a, an acoustic piano uh, feel for the whole song that kind of drives the whole song. Um, interesting bass line that goes on it. I added both a six string and a 12 string electric guitar, very chimey, very birds like, yeah. um, uh, it, it was actually more difficult to sing. Um, there's a lot of words. There's, um, a lot of, you know, places where you really have to think about your breath. We added uh, some really rich textured background vocals. Some of it was just a two part harmony. And then at the end of it, where there's kind of this big end, it was this three part thing that, uh, Mary Ellen and, and her husband, Tom, incredible producer who I talked about before on the show um, really, you know, came out. So, but it's a funny thing, you know, you listen to this thing that you've done and I don't know about you, but the first thing you do is, especially when it's something that's very meaningful, you you hate it, right? You're, you you know, you can't believe that that's what you laid down, right? Yes. It's a very weird thing, but, but Chris was very cool. He said, listen, take it. So he did a rough mix. He said, you take it, you listen to it on big speakers, you listen to it in the car, you listen to it in headphones, you listen to it and let it wash over you and really, you know, decide if you're comfortable. Is the technical playing correct and is it good? Is there, you know, the mixed stuff you can kind of talk through, but just getting comfortable with what, what you contributed artistically, what did you lay down? Uh, it t- took a little while for me, especially with that song, to just kind of like, you know, is this what I want to put out there with my name on it? I always find, you know, I need to listen to a track three or four times. Right. And what I, what I watch for, and it almost has to be that kind of, you know, meta experience that almost, you know, half out of body thing is I watch for whenever I cringe knowing that like a flubbed fill is coming up or something that's not quite right. Like maybe the, the kick drum and the bass don't, don't line up and, and it's an obvious thing. You know, I don't go through and look for that stuff specifically not on most recordings, but I watch what I, what I notice. And if I notice it still on like the third or fourth time, I know I got to go back and fix it because that's where it's going to drive me crazy. 
you know, a year from now listening to it, it's like, oh yeah, here comes that, that yeah. verse where we start and the, there's the flam between the bass and the, the, you know, the, the kick drum. It's like, nah, it sucks. No, just go fix it. Especially with digital okay. stuff. Now you can, you know, those types of things, you just nudge it and be like, yeah, I don't tell anybody. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was all, like I said, a great learning process. And some of this was actually quite ambitious. So, you know, I'm looking forward to you hearing it. I can't um, wait. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's reasonably representative. I'm a little stuck between what I think I hear and what I'm sure I'm hearing, you know, a little bit between what I thought I would, what I thought it would sound like and what it ends up sounding like. And so I'm still sitting with that last song just a little bit, but the other three are definitely rock solid. And, uh, yeah, I'll share it. I'm going to put it online. And then I also did the the research into getting it online. So, you know, we had talked about CD baby versus louder, right? Yeah. So the problem with CD baby is that they only allow you to, um, cover license, one song at a time. So you can't do an EP of covers or, or, a, or a, you know, a CD of covers. Oh, interesting. So you can put out, okay. you can put out four individual songs, which is not what I want to do. Right. So I am going to go the, the route of louder. Okay. There you and, go. Uh, yeah. So 9.1 cents per estimated sale and a $15 flat fee and, and, uh, and away it'll go. I got some. And, really- and how can you then distribute it through CD baby once you have the licensing from louder or do you have to, do you own, can you only distribute through louder? I, I'm just not, can, I'm, I'm not. Louder familiar. doesn't distribute louder, just licenses. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, so, so once you have that license, then can you go anywhere? Yeah, I think I, I'm, I, that's my interpretation is that basically this is your legal papers that yep. I have done the right thing. And I guess, you know, you, you have to estimate the number of sales. Sure. And the only thing I'm not clear about is that are like, if I estimate a hundred sales and then I make the hundred and first sale, can I then go back to louder and say, I want to up this some more and cover my butt. I assume Probably. that's the way it's done. Right. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a process of, um, that follows the age old adage, which is, you know, forgiveness versus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, For I don't sure. think anybody's going to come and try and take your house away because you sold five extra copies of get up stand up. And when you paid for the first hundred or the first thousand or the first 10, whatever it is, you know, as long as you're like making an effort to do the right thing. And, and I hope do, that that's the case. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case. I mean, wh- you know, wh- what else well, is it going to be? Yeah. If I have to do the, the next uh, episode of Gig Gab from prison, then that, that'll be the reason. All right. Well, you get the one phone call. So I, I, I think we <laughs> so all know where it used to be. That's right. <laughs> we we don't, don't have debtors prison, though. I mean, I think I, I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> so, yeah, recording was a very good experience. I kind of have the bug and it's it's, uh, you know, I'd like to get really good at that and learn about sounds. You know, the, the guitar sound wasn't exactly what I thought I sound like, you know. Right, right. Uh, so, well, it's so, very different recording, you know, or even just playing in your, your bedroom or a studio versus playing live on a stage, right? The instruments sound way different in both yeah, of those environments. And you might do. you might find you have some guitars. I know for me, like I have some drums that I prefer the way they sound in the studio but others that sound better live and it's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, you just got to listen and play what, play what works for that for sure. environment. Yeah. So anyway, it that's was exciting, it's a good man. experience. I think it made me a better musician to like be focused on precision, which you can get in the habits of not worrying about that. I'm just right. strumming along. Right. Right. But you can hide in the mix of a rock band even, totally. and even playing acoustic. I mean, you can. You can simplify it down and, and hide behind your own voice. You know, it's you're, you're playing an atmosphere when you're playing a live show, whereas in the studio, 
you don't get to control the atmosphere where it's played. So you have to be a little more intentional about what uh, what's going to come out of those speakers. Yeah. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the other thing is both Chris and Tom were really great about pushing the vibe to sound like a live recording, not worry so much you're in the, you know, the holy studio. Sure. Right. Yep. So they were like, you know, this has to have a rawness and a, and a realness to it. So uh, I think we got that. Cool. Did you record with a click at all? I know we talked about that might happen or, or was planned on happening. Did not record to a click on the acoustic tunes. Uh, the drummer was spot on. And so he was happy to record to a click on the band tunes. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. That, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Keeps it easier, yep. especially when trying to fix like little things. If you've got it all lined up in Pro Tools or, or you know, Logic or whatever you're using. Exactly. Yeah. It makes life easier. So That's that was, cool, man. All right. And then um, House Rockers had a, you know, it's not really our busy time. So it's been a couple of weeks since we played. I always notice that even a couple of weeks changes the vibe of the, of the band a bit. So remember I've gotten in the habit of putting out set lists, you know, fairly long in advance. You know, we're up to about 220, 225 songs total in our, in our, our book. And uh, you know, 75%, 80%. It's kind of the stuff that always works for us or that we always love. And then, you know, just to keep it fresh, you know, 20 to 25% of the show turns over most of the time. I mean, I think once we're really going, it might be as much as 50% of the show could be different from night to night. But uh, let's just say for this time of year, we're going with our A-list stuff That's because that, we're not seeing each other quite as much. Right. So a couple of things from this gig. Here's the first one. Second song of the night, a woman dancing right in front of the stage. Uh, kind of a big personality uh, leans in after the second song and asks if we have a tambourine. Oh yeah. Ah, It's dangerous, man. Yeah. So what I said was it it actually came out harsher than I meant. I should have just said, no, sorry, we don't have anything. Although there was one fairly visible right under my hand, but (laughs) but actually what I said is I said, I do, but I can't give it to you. Or I, or I might have said not for you or something like that. And I think she got pushed out of shape and she left. So, huh. But in the moment, I was just trying to say, yeah, we don't really want to do that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right? a bad thing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, she, here's the thing. She Not only that, she she put her jacket and her purse on the stage. I mean, she was just one of those people that didn't quite get the, the I think, boundary, asking the for boundary. Yeah. yeah. Well, asking for a tambourine second song of the night is probably, you know, putting it. I don't know. Would you have given it to her? Um, I, you know, it, I, I, I can't say that I would or wouldn't have, it's hard to, you know, I wasn't there, right. Every vibe is different. Um, for the most part, I, my, um, I clench up when somebody asks for a tambourine. Right. So, so the answer is usually no, regardless of what point in the night it is. How would you say no? Um, I don't know. That's the thing. Here's the thing I'd like everybody to understand. And I, I'd love to like sit someone down that asked for a tambourine to explain <laughs> this to him. I never have. Right. But but now that I, I have a little bit of a platform here, I'm just going to do this once. Um, go watch a band and watch what happens when someone on stage starts playing a tambourine. This might be a band like yours. Right. I'm sure this happens with yours because it happens with every band. You know, you've got drums that are mic'd. You've got the bass that's got an amp and it's in the main. Same with the guitar. Same with the keys. Uh, You've got, you know, whatever, five vocal mics across the stage and then five horns that are also mic'd. Everything needs sound reinforcement that's on that stage. Watch what happens when some musician on the stage grabs that tambourine. 
They can be freaking anywhere on that stage. You'll hear and it. it's the loudest thing yeah. all the way at the back of the freaking arena. Right. I mean, it, those things carry so much. So the problem is when you give a tambourine to somebody in the audience, the musicians on stage start hearing that as their pulse. And yeah. more often than not, the person in the crowd is in the crowd for a reason. And the people on the stage are on the stage for a reason. And it's usually because they're more skilled at say, keeping time and playing music. And that's why they're on the stage. It's not always the case, but it's a safe bet that that might be true, that the people in the crowd might not be as skilled as the people on the stage. Not always the case. Sometimes it is. That's the person that winds up with the tambourine. And it's very distracting to everyone, not just the, the crowd and not just the musicians, everyone. So, yeah, tambourines are dangerous things to give out, in my opinion. Misuse a tambourine, go to jail. Yeah, yeah, that, that, sh- that should be a punishable offense. T-shirt. Yeah. And also, by the way, taking that same concept, musicians out there, if you're on stage playing a tambourine, don't hold it in front of the vocal mic. Like, hold it off axis of the vocal mic so that the mic is picking up as little of it as possible. Um, I saw Brad Delp, remember uh, yeah. the singer from Boston? He played in a great Beatle band uh, called Beetlejuice around here before he passed away. Um, and I went and saw him and it's a tiny little club, right? You know, and he's playing. And anytime he grabbed his tambourine, he'd be on the mic singing and he'd have the tambourine to either off to the right of the mic, but very close to it. So it's in that off axis bubble. He knew exactly where, where to put it and where not to put it so that it wouldn't dominate the mix. And, uh, and it's a very, very, I, I always, you know, we, in the Macworld all-star band, I remember we had to kind of have this conversation because there were some guys that didn't quite get the fact that the tambourine was going to be audible everywhere. And they'd put it right in front of a vocal mic to play it. And it would be like the loudest thing in my ears. Like, dude, you're killing me, dude, dude. <laughs> so that that's the conversation I'd like to have when somebody says, Hey, can I have your tambourine? They don't know that it's a loaded, loaded question, but it kind of is. I don't know. Sure. What's yeah. worse is, is it still called a tambourine? If it has a, you know, usually they're, they're hollow, but what if, if it's covered, it's still a tambourine, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think technically the tambourine is the thing with a, a drum head on it, but, Got but it. I mean, I think they both are, you know? So right, yeah. there's a guy around here who, his fans got in the habit of bringing those covered tambourines and it was kind of like a, kind of like a drum circle hippie revival. They would just smack this thing ever. And it was really distracting when trying to listen to the music. Cause you're like, Hey, <laughs> now it has a, now it has a pulse. Now it's a, yeah. now they're hitting something. And it is, like you said, the loudest thing that you hear and, and that ringing can really get obnoxious. So, so that's, that's not a good thing. So I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Do you just be rude to people and say, Ugh, you know, we do that or, or, you know, probably be clever. Oh, you're going to have to pass an audition first or something oh, there like that. You go. Yeah. You know, some, you know what? Something. Bring if it, one idea would be to bring like those little egg shakers. Right. I mean, they're yeah. not nearly as loud. They don't carry as much. They're pretty loud right in proximity to them. So the person shaking it might hear enough of it. Um, but not everybody else is going to have to put up with it. So yeah, yeah. You know what? Pass an audition with the egg shaker first, and then maybe we'll talk about a tambourine. Yeah. That might help. So I don't know. Other than that. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool gig. We haven't played for a while. So a, a three hour nightclub gig, you know, at the last half hour, you know, it, you could feel the guys were getting a little tired and, but we soldiered on, played well, uh, a little bit smaller crowd. Cause it's still got some crazy rain things going on out here, oh, right. but, but respectable, you know, good. like yeah. good. Um, rolled out one more new song. We, we just put in a new arrangement of Ain't Too Proud to Beg um, because 
that song will go over anywhere, anytime. And, you know, with the big horn section, it sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Some, our version is, um, kind of a, a, a baby of the stones version and the temps version. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Both. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I've played them both. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So that's cool. Yeah. So So, I gotta, I gotta ask, um, did you have any problems with the kick drum feedback at that gig? We did not. And actually I didn't, I haven't even spoke to Bill and see if, if, if he, um, uh, listen to Andy's advice. And, yeah, yeah. uh, I didn't, we didn't have any, we, the kick drum might not have been mic'd at this particular gig. Oh, well, yeah. That, I, that. I got to report back on that. I got to report right, back. Cool. I don't want to say just, yes or no. I'm just curious. You know, it's like, it's always good. A, yeah. We had a good night in terms of sound. I, you know, That's it was good. one of those things where we don't get a sound check there. We only get a line check. Yep. And going back to our conversation about in-ears, uh, check one, two, three sounded fine in my mic. And even the guy next to me sounded fine in my mic. And yeah. I only put I only put vocals in this in this case because, like I said, yeah. I know my amp isn't mic'd or anything like that. But once we started, everything was overdriven, and you know, it took about half a set to realize that it was what was you know, we were overdriving the the uh, transmitter. Oh no! So it was, yeah. You know, that's interesting. I it, it, going back to your question from maybe even two weeks ago. Uh, I have noticed that I don't usually use a transmitter, right? Because I'm a drummer. I don't ever have to uh, cross the backline meridian, right? So I can just plug in. <laughs> um, I, I can just plug, no line. Yeah, I can just plug in and and it's one less battery to worry about, perf- frankly, right? But um, at that Madhouse gig that I did, I was on and off the stage so much and we were playing to the, the click track that in rehearsal, I didn't make it to the stage once or twice before the track started. So I wasn't plugged in to hear where I was in the, the click sequence to know when to come in. And I thought, all right, I'm using my transmitter for this gig. And I noticed that things in that, there's definitely some, you know, some dynamic compression that happens certainly in the transmitter. I have, it's a really old, it's a PSM 700, which is probably, you know, 12 years old by now. And uh, they still sell it though, right? uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a sure. Yeah. Um, they certainly sell something like it, but, but I definitely noticed a, a, um, like a, a, it was bordering on the edge of overdriving. I kind of had, had to tweak it around a little bit in our, in our sound check to get it not to overdrive. So I bet that's part of your issues. You're just putting too much energy into that thing. And maybe, maybe you've got to pull down the mix at the, from the board to your transmitter yep. and then boost from the other side. So that, yep. 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 I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but I bet that's a big part of it. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to share was then, so we finished that gig. We got done at about 1230. I got home about 145. And um, we had had, just because of scheduling things, we had banned pictures, which has now become kind of an annual thing. Um, but we scheduled them for 1030 the next morning. So uh, there's a few moving parts <laughs> that's here. The, so That's the middle of the night. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have a new guy in the band who, uh, who's been with us since last May who, um, you know, basically for a year, he's not in any of the band pictures and, you know, he's not the official promo picture and that, that type of thing. And he's like, hey, what do I got to do to get into the official thing? So uh, that was one of the impetuses for scheduling this is to get the current lineup in pictures. Yeah. And again, the, you know, the only time we could really make it happen, photog- you know, the photographer is, you know, our mutual friend, Richard Karras. Oh, good guy. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. And, and great um, photographer too. Great yeah. photographer. In fact, he photographed us on uh, Sunday morning. And then he went up and photographed Lisa Fisher, who 
was playing in Berkeley that night. So, you know, I, we're kind of in good company there. So, um, that's great. But the thing that I was, that I was dawning on me. So he, he took individual pictures yep. that we put next to the bios on the website. Uh, but he also took them in a way where he wants to, um, compose a group picture. Right. So he's going to take the individual pictures and compose group picture. And then we took group pictures. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But the thing I was thinking about that I think is, is good to share is like sharing all these pictures and they're, again, they're professional, beautiful pictures. Um, you know, you put them on, on Facebook or your social media or on your website. Yep. And it just gives the appearance that things are moving forward, that you're continuing to refine the professionalism yes. of what you do. It's, it's like a very subtle message that we are invested in this. You know, having good promotional materials is part of being a good, you know, professional group. Uh, people are interested in, uh, you know, our, 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 you met my friend Scott when you're out here. He he's not a musician; he's a fan. He listens to Gig Gab because he said it's to him. It's like inside baseball, right? And right. you know, pe- right. people are just kind of interested with what goes on behind the scenes with your band. You know, they they're interested in the camaraderie of the players, uh, 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 the musicians that are in the band. They're interested in in the whole process of how people get together and make music. And photos are kind of an interesting. And what's even more interesting is photos of the photos. So if you take a, a, a photo of the musician shooting the photo, shooting the, the musicians. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that was the main reflection I had. Like, we need these. So when we send out a promo kit to try and get good gigs, you have professional looking stuff. But I just find we get a lot of mileage and a lot of interest out of the sharing of the photos, especially the candidates, like I say, that go on around the photo shoot. They're just they just communicate to your audience that, hey, you know, we're just a bunch of guys trying to, you know, make our way in this crazy world of of playing music. Uh, And this is something that that you do as a musician is you get your picture taken so you can share it with people. That whole process seems to resonate with people fairly well. I mean, you know, we get a lot of reactions, a lot of responses. You know, people like the pictures. And it's another way of kind of like it's another touch point is exactly. And and, and it it keeps you. Uh, from appearing stale, it, regardless of whether or not you're stale. I mean, it, you know, it just it, like you said, it, it, it shows that things are moving forward. You're doing something and that's huh. good. Yeah, I like it. So except for the, you know, the, the circles and, and the red eyes from from barely waking up from the night before. Right. Uh, it was a, it was a good thing. And I'm happy with the way the pictures came out. Again, Richard's really good. Yeah. And that, but this is the thing about pictures, right? You can take very usable pictures with a with a, a phone camera now. Um, you can. And if that's your only option, I encourage you to do it. But, you know, everybody knows someone is a photographer. Sometimes you can do it quid pro quo. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you pay something and you can get, you know, really usable pictures. I, I would say just like the music that you are creating, your goal should be to have some kind of truth. And I think I brought this up in the past. There are many, 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 many band pictures now of guys standing on train tracks or standing in front of a, <laughs> a warehouse somewhere yep. that this is communicating rock and roll in some way. And, you know, I, I my personal opinion is that has been done. And it's hard to uh, it's uh, you know it's hard to do anything original there. Um, but again, if you're a band that plays about trains or you know really very gritty working class band, maybe that vibe will work for you. Right. But I think the thing about band pictures is you know they they are a touch point. They're a way to communicate to potential clients and to fans who you are. So you really should think about those things. Again, you know if you put if you put a bunch of 
50 year old guys in leather pants, you better be willing to back that up with your music. Otherwise, it's going to ring particularly untrue. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know what to sing me in subject, leather pants, right? If you're going to subject people to looking at 50 year old guys in leather pants, you better have something to deliver along with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, that was my last thought about photos is that it is a, it is a part of your brand. It's out there. It's going to get shared. It's going to get distributed. It's going to get talked about. So you, you want to think it through and find some truth. And a good photographer will help you do that, right? Yeah, you know, totally. like that's what they do. You know, that's yeah. they're trying to bring out the truth in the pictures. And Richard was it's just awesome. I mean, if you uh, if you look on our web on the House Rockers Facebook page, the pictures of Joe, our drummer, and Steve are close ups of their face, and they're really strikingly beautiful pictures. Yeah, they're great. They look they, awesome. I know they, they I really was, do. I really like it. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's the thing. So you know, you can take pictures with a cell phone camera. Pictures are a part of your brand. They communicate how professional you are, how committed you are to your craft. Um, they're just another way of communicating what you're about. And I think strive for the truth in those pictures is probably the best that I could share. It's my reflection about what we did. And, you know, like it's some combination. Um, you would pick a photographer based upon your rapport with that photographer. And so some combination of their ability to kind of see you for who you are and hear you, your vision for what you are. Yeah. That's what makes for successful photos. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you ever have, I, I know, and it happens for all of us occasionally, I've certainly seen it happen for you, where you have someone who is a professional photographer just happens to be at your gig and take some pictures. Uh, but do you, have you ever specifically invited a pro to the gig to do some pro live shots uh, of you guys too, or, or haven't you, haven't I you absolutely have. about that? You have. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's, there's a couple things going on uh, in today's social media world. You often get a lot of people taking pictures of you. Right. You know, they like it's it's a hobby of theirs or it's a friendship thing or whatever. And uh, amateurs uh, will often just post and dump everything they took, good and bad. Right. And so right. that's one thing. But um, having good live pictures, I think, is really effective. Um, uh, in general, I think you know you want photos that show that you're playing to some critical mass of people. So an empty room can, can sometimes, you know, some guys, I guess you're going for that bar band vibe that your journeyman will take any gig and that you'll play just as hard in front of five people in front of 500. Sure. I suppose that there's a, there's a photo truth there that you can, you can seek out. But um, Richard has come and shot us live and, you know, gotten great pictures. Um, you know, a lot of the expression that goes on while we're performing or, you know, moments or, you know, very artistic things. And I, I think that that's really useful uh, in general. But, uh, you know, the, the tried and true posed promo picture that you send out to potential customers is still a very, very useful thing. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's uh, that's a lot of stuff, brother. You've been busy this week. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about that. I, I was in the studio. I was in the, in a photo shoot and, you know, playing both solo and trio and band gigs. Yep. There was a lot of music life, you know, in the, over the past seven days. That's good. I was, uh, I was traveling. I was the family, uh, we headed down to Florida and then I actually had some musical stuff happening this weekend that we'll, we'll just put off and we'll talk about that next week. But, um, but all good stuff, really good stuff. In fact, so. I'll tell you one thing, yeah, photo shoots or in the studio or on stage, I was always performing. That's how it works, <laughs> brother. That's what we do. <laughs> Folks, you can find us uh, giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook is a great place to join our little uh, working musician support group as it is. And we all help each other out with some great questions and answers and really just sometimes 
you need to vent, and that's what we do here. You can email us, feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Have a good one, Paul. Take care, Dave.